Lean to the youth room parents, the rest of us, will be in our study here as we continue in the book of Ephesians. So if you'll turn there to Ephesians chapter, lean to the youth, lean to the youth. And we're going to be focusing on verses 25 through 33. That'll take us to the end of uh, chapter 5 and this topic that we're going to be talking about and discussing uh, what God's Word has to say about marriage, a very important topic and discussions, particularly in the church today. We're going to back up and begin reading at verse 21 and see what we covered, a quick review of last week, as uh, we've been splitting up this text on marriage, um, and we covered verses 21 through 24. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Jerry will slip you a Bible so we can cover uh, verses 21 through 33 again, talking about marriage and the marriage relationship, roles and responsibility of husbands. And as we do, one of the things that I pray for us this morning is that we've been taking our time going through Ephesians. This time through Ephesians, and I've taught through it before, because here at Calvary Chapel, we've gone through all the books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and chapter by chapter and verse by verse. So in being here over the years, some of these books that we've taught uh, a couple times, and the last time I taught Ephesians, I think it was eight years ago as I checked the record, and, um, and I did it at a faster pace, and we've been taking our time this um, you know, season of going through this wonderful, powerful epistle because I want us to clearly understand the pattern that is here that I think is really helpful for us in our journey in life with the Lord, and that is it's really important that we understand who we are in Christ, the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and I know that I keep reminding you of that, but as Peter would write, I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, though you be established in them. It's real important for us to know what Christ has done for us, his provision, how he made us alive, how he's rescued us and saved us, and all the spiritual blessings that are ours as he chose us, he's redeemed us, he's forgiven us. We have an eternal inheritance with him. And as we realize that, we go, oh, wow, Lord, you're so good, you're so wonderful. And we just grow in our love for him. We just marvel at his love. And once we're established in that, then chapters 4, 5, and 6, this is how you walk with the Lord. And you see, what happens is uh, we can go into a, a sermon series on marriage and the home and, and um, you know, relationships in the home and with others between uh, bosses and employees and all of that that Ephesians deals with. But as we do, it's important for us that we have a good, solid relationship with the Lord and closeness with the Lord. That means everything. So that's why we've been taking our times to understand this. As the Apostle Paul instructed us in chapter 4, after we realize, after we marvel at his incredible grace given to us and the riches that are found in Christ, that we are to walk worthy of the calling in which we were called. To walk in unity, chapter 4, in the church, and, and then to walk in purity in our lives. And as you recall in chapter 5, that we're to be imitators of God as dear children and walk in his love and walk in light and make sure that you're walking in wisdom. And then in verse 21, that uh, we began to look at this section concerning harmony in relationship with others, verse 21 of chapter 5, uh, we see that uh, it will continue through chapter 6, verse 9. And today we're going to be continuing to talk about how we can walk in harmony 
with our spouse, with their wives, and wives with their husbands. And then when we go into chapter 6, uh, how you know we can have harmony in the home, that is, with children, with their parents. And then he's going to write about harmony between bondservants and masters, which in today's terms we could apply employers and employees. And remember that it's the Lord's desire for us to have a blessed relationship with others uh, in the home, with their spouse and with their kids and in the workplace and also in the church. So these things, even though you may be here and you may be thinking, well, I'm not married or I'm in a single state and I should have stayed home. I could have caught some of the early football games. Listen, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, some of the principles and truths that we're going to be discussing about respect and commitment and cherishing and serving, that applies to our relationship with others, whatever that might mean for you. And so it is beneficial to be able to minister to others that perhaps are in a marriage relationship where there's difficulties or or, uh, hardship that has taken place for you to be able to give them the truth of God's word. And so here, as we began last week, as I mentioned to you, to look at this section that deals with the roles of husbands and wives in the marriage relationship and the marriage covenant, we're going to continue to look at that. And let me read it to you again, what we looked at last week, beginning in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the, the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So, Father, this morning as we come, we desire to hear um, from you as we read your word. But, Lord, work it within our hearts. Help us to apply it in our lives. And, Lord, may we be attentive. And we want to make sure that our ringers are off our phones, but... But, Lord, we want to be attentive. We only have a few minutes to be talking about your word and this very important subject dealing with the roles of husbands and wives. And, Lord, we know there's all kinds of messages that are out there in the world. Uh, There's mixed messages and weird messages and, and perverted messages. But, Lord, we want to hear truth because you ordain marriage and you define marriage. And so, Lord, we come and we trust you and what your word declares to us. So help us to have our ears open and our hearts soft to be teachable. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so as we discussed last week, as we talked about the marriage relationship, we backed up. We didn't begin in verse 22, where most of the time that's where uh, when a sermon is done on the roles of husband and wives, verse 22. But we got to remember verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And it's God's that as he talks about the roles of husbands and wives and in the workplace and in the home with our children, the Lord does set up an order. And here we see as husbands, verse 23, is called to lead. It doesn't mean that we as husbands uh, that we talked about quite extensively, that we're self-serving or lording over or uh, we men, we husbands are superiors to our wives. Not at all. That's not the mindset or the heart of the passage that we looked at last week. And I hope that we realize that. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, that's where we begin. And that is that there is a humbling of ourselves to the Lord, desiring to walk with the Lord in a way 
way that we've read in chapters 4 and 5. Hey, you're to be in unity. Be walking in purity. Putting on, uh, off the former conduct which grows corrupt. That is, you're no longer living as you used to. You're a new creation in Christ. You have been born again by the Spirit of God. He's rescued you, and now you are His workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. And what you're to do is put on the new man in true righteousness and holiness. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Be imitators of God as dear children, as I, I told you, that's how chapter 5 opened up. So we walk in God's love and His light and in His wisdom. And you see, if you're desiring to have these things worked out in your life personally, there needs to be a humbling of ourselves to the Lord and in the fear of the Lord. And if that isn't happening, or we're not desiring to do that, then there's going to be a missing out of the true heart of what is being said here about submitting and about headship as well. You see, we husbands are going to see that we have been given an incredible, awesome responsibility in our marriage and in our homes, in the authority, or you might say in the headship, that's been given to us by God as he sets up a divine order. He says, this is the way that I want it to be. This is the right order that I have in the home. And in the home, listen, the husband is to be the head of the wife. But what it really means is, is that not that we exalt ourselves over others, over our wives, and, and over others in our life. It means that we're to die to self, men, and we're to serve others. And remember that it does not contradict what Jesus said, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, being great in the kingdom of God means what? You're the servant of all. And you're to humble yourself as he would use a child as an illustration. Humble yourself as his child and receive one as a child. And that is the one that is great in the kingdom of God. To be submitting to one another in the fear of God means that you are other-centered. And you use your authority not to tear people down or to rule with a heavy hand, but it is to build them up. Headship is to be given in humility, but also so is submission. That is done in humility as well. And a godly marriage and a blessed marriage, a good marriage, is going to be a result of a good relationship with Christ. So wives, as we talked about quite extensively, and if you didn't hear the teaching, I would encourage you to hear that teaching last week that as we saw that your responsibility is submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And your submission is out of obedience and humility to the Lord. And I want to remind you, wives, as well, what Peter, as he's writing about submitting um, to your husbands in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, as you are submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that is, your husband is an unbeliever, or perhaps your husband is uh, one who professes to be a believer, but he's not living for the Lord. And as you are submitting, and as you, without a word, maybe they will be won by the conduct of your wife when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. In other words, I think it goes both ways, with husbands and with wives. You submitting to your husband that is an unbeliever, and, and husband, as you are one that is a witness, even when it's difficult, that you give it to the Lord, and you are trusting in God, and you are a powerful expression of 
the goodness and the reality of God in your life. And remember that it was Paul the Apostle that he would say as he's writing to the Corinthian church about uh, a believing spouse living with an unbelieving spouse. And he said, oh, how do you know a wife that you won't bring salvation to your unbelieving husband? And husband, how do you know that you won't bring salvation to your unbelieving wife? You sanctify them. In other words, you are bringing blessing and benefit to your home as the believing spouse. So you wait and you pray and you give yourself to your spouse and you love them and respect them. And you be a witness of the reality of the Lord in your life. So remember, husbands, as we talked about, your wives submitting to you, it is as unto the Lord, that is the qualifier, her submission does not and should not never include sinful subjection, committing sin, carnality, any kind of abuse. The Lord doesn't call us to submit in that way. And she's not to submit in that way either, to evil or that which is clearly wrong. So now, husbands, verse 25, you're to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her. So the role of the husband here, your responsibility in the marriage relationship, listen, is the highest standard that there is. And that is our love is the same as Christ's love for us, the church. So the scripture is lifting up your love for your wife to the highest level possible. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. It's also very sobering. And it's important, husbands, that we understand Christ's love for us. And as we think about Christ's love for us, how he came and he served us. He said, I didn't come to be served, but be the servant of all. He was one that was full of compassion. It's interesting, going through Matthew's gospel, if you pick it up, you see that word compassion oftentimes as Jesus looked at the multitude. There as he looked at the multitude that were like sheep without a shepherd there in Matthew chapter 10. And as we see that He looked at them with compassion. We know in the feeding of the 5,000 that it tells us that he looked at the multitude. They didn't have any food. They were hungry. It was late at day, and he had compassion for them. You're to show compassion towards your wife. He ministered as he brought benefit and blessing to the people, and you give yourself to your wife, just as Christ gave himself to us. And this is how we are to love our wives, men. We are to love supremely. We are to love completely, unconditionally, and sacrificially. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that you are to lay down your life for your wife. And I'll tell you the truth on this, husbands, and includes me. If we are loving our wives in the way that we're supposed to, the way that this One verse tells us it's going to be a joy for your wife to submit to you. Men, authority has been given to us. But greater authority means greater responsibility. And men, you and I will be answering to God how we treat our wives. Jesus poured out his life for us. That means you and I are to pour our, our life to our wives. The pattern for us in living, on loving our wives is the love of Jesus Christ for the church. We are to die to self, husbands. We're called to set aside our self-centered demands that we can have, and we live sacrificially for our wives. That's exactly what Jesus did. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, you can write it in your margins or in your notes. 
It says, in Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even a death on a cross. And guys, we may not be called to die literally for our wives, but here's something that's very important. Will we die to self? Will we die to self and serve her? And will we deny self? It's not a very popular message. But you see, if we don't die to self, we don't, if we don't deny self, then we're going to be denied a wholesome, healthy, godly marriage. Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 3 that husbands also, you're to live with your wife in an understanding way. That means you're to listen to her. It means that the things that are important to her need to be important to you. You pray for your wife and you pray with her and for her. Jesus prayed for us. You pray for her. And I believe that a lot of marriage conflicts, and listen, I understand that there is not a perfect marriage that is out there. But I do believe that a lot of marriage conflicts would be eliminated if husbands and wives prayed together on a regular basis, if they read the scriptures together on a regular basis, if they sought God's will for their lives on a regular basis. And understand here that God's plan is not for the exaltation of men and the suppression of women. Not at all. God's plan is that the marriage will be blessed and strong and that there's harmony in the marriage. So husbands, let your wives know how valuable they are and how valuable your marriage is and cherish them and cherish your marriage. Be faithful. Let them know that you desire to spend time with them. How would we like it if we came to the Lord, you know, and started our day and the Lord's like, oh, there's Jeff again. Listen, I'm a little busy right now. I want to go catch, you know, a little bit of TV here. What if the Lord just had that kind of attitude towards us? He loves to spend times. He says that knock, please knock. Continually I knock at the door of your heart, and I will come in and fellowship with you. Revelation chapter 3. He desires for us to spend time with them. Spend time with your wife. Serve her. Respect and listen to her. Have affection that is due to her. So there is this sacrificial love, verse 25, but also, this is important as well, there is a sanctifying love, verses 26 and 27. We read that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So we know that Christ loved us unconditionally, supremely, and he chose us. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Remember Ephesians chapter 1 declares? He chose us to be his bride. We are the bride of Christ. He is sanctifying us. That is, he's working in us and on us, cleansing us, growing us, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. The Lord is committed to us. He doesn't turn his back on us. And he doesn't look at us, the church, and he doesn't say, well, you fall so short of what I want you to be. And you have so many problems and shortcomings that there must be a better bride out there. I think I'll give up on the church. He doesn't do that. He's committed to washing us with the water of the word that it might sanctify us and cleanse us, that we might be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. The church, the bride of Christ, is something that is of value and beauty to the Lord. We're forgiven. 
by the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. And we are here this morning, and what's taking place as we go through the scriptures here, we're being washed by the water of the word. So husbands, we want to be careful that we do value and cherish our marriage relationship and covenant with our wife. We don't want to walk around saying, well, I wish she was more like this, and I wish she was better at that, and had it more together here. Here's the thing for me to ask you, and, and, and myself included, when was the last time? When was the last time? Any time? That you washed her with the water of the word on a regular basis. And when I was a kid, a long time ago, mom would want us, because we were outside all the time, grab our fishing pole, go to the pond, go fishing, run around the, the block, playing in the dirt. We spent our time outside. We didn't have the video games and all of that today. And, and of course, we grew up in a place in, this, in the Midwest, in Kansas, where you know, it was safe for us to do that. But we get really dirty. And mom, at the end of the day, would want us, you know, to take a bath. And that's what we had back then. We had bathtubs. We didn't, we didn't have a shower until later. And um, I hated taking baths. I hated it. And I would actually go in and turn the, the water on and just stand there with my arms folded. And, um, and you know, splash a little water on me and thought I could come out and fool mom, you know. Still dirt all over me and behind my ears and, you know, greasy hair and all of this. But I hated taking baths. And mom would say, you get back in that tub, fill it up full of water so you can wash and be clean. And I remember that so vividly. And, and sometimes that we can, for some reason, husbands, that we can be real passive or we don't desire to be doing that, that we are being washed with the water of the word and then washing our family, our wives with the water of the word. And that needs to happen spiritually. Continually wash with the water of the word because the dirt and the filth of the world gets on us and in our families. Husbands, we need to take the lead in that. And we have a responsibility to as much as you can be washing your wife and kids with the Word of God, making sure that the Word of God is a priority in your home. And I commend you, husbands, for bringing your families to church. When I see all the kids, and I know particularly when you got young kids, it isn't easy. Because we had four small kids at one time. And so I commend you in making that a priority in your life. And here's a verse for us, guys, for us to consider. You can write it down in your notes or in your margin here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. I think it's an important consideration. And it tells us, as Paul's talking about headship, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7, he says that the man is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. Now stay with me. That word glory in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7 means to make apparent, very apparent, or the reflection of. So are you, am I, a reflection of Christ in our homes and in our lives? Are we somehow a reflection of God's glory in how you live your life? When people look at you and me, what is it that they see truly? An honest evaluation that we can take to the Lord on this day. Do we in some way reflect the Lord, the reality of the Lord in our lives? Do we make it apparent that we belong to God? Now, we know that Jesus did that perfectly, didn't he? 
that he never did anything apart from the Father. Everything that he said, everything that he did, every work that he performed, he did it perfectly according to the will of the Father, in harmony with the Father. He said, I do no works apart from my Father. And you might recall at the end of Jesus' life, right before he was crucified, that in that upper room, that the, one of the disciples, Philip, said, Hey, show us the Father that it may suffice us. And Jesus said, Oh, Philip, you've been with me all this time. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what the Father is like, look at me. If you want to know what the heart of the Father is like, then know my heart. He reflects, he's the express image of the Father, as Colossians chapter 1 says, the perfect representation of God. Now, we fall short of that, guys. I know we do, all of us, me included. But is there in our hearts and in our lives, in our words, and in our actions, our behavior, the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives being shown? Are we ones that we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Father, Am I a reflection of your son? And if not, help me to be that to my wife and to my kids. You see, in the book of Acts, as the gospel was growing, as it was spreading from Jerusalem to, to Judea to Samaria, it says that the disciples brought the gospel from town to town. And you know what else it said? That they brought joy wherever they went. And as you are uh, reflect the love and glory of God and you're bringing the word of God, you're going to do what? You're going to bring joy into your home and into your marriage. So submit, submit to Christ. Allow him to work in your life and to sanctify and cleanse you and to change you and to mold you and to direct you. One of the things that in the young Timothy's class that we talked about with the young guys yesterday is, is about prayer and having a devotion time. And for all of us, it is so true. What is so critical for all of us as Christians that continue to grow in the Lord is that we have a consistent devotion life, that we're spending time with the Lord. Begin your day with prayer, with the Word of God, getting your marching orders, just seeking the Lord. It's so critical. And so I want the guys that are young, you high schoolers, you're old enough to start to do that and be consistent in that. But one of the things that we talked about was in, uh, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 34. After the children of Israel danced around that golden calf, and the Lord said to Moses, Moses, uh, stand back, I'm going to consume them. And Moses interceded, and he said, Lord, don't. And Moses went down the mountain, he dealt with the people, and then he went back up on the mountain early the next day, and he said, Lord, forgive them, and if not, blot my name out of the book of life. And that's a lesson for another time. His just love that he had for the people. And then the Lord said, you know what, they're responsible for their own sins. But Moses, go ahead now, and you show the people, you lead the people to the place that I've shown you. Listen, husbands. How can we lead and direct our families where to go if the Lord isn't showing it to you? If you're not taking the time to say, Lord, uh, I need help, I need guidance, I need your word, uh, I need direction, I need wisdom, I need strength, I need courage. How is it that we're going to lead our wives and our families if we're not spending time and allowing the Lord to show us where we need to go and where our families need to go and being washed with the water of the word 
And if we're just coming home, guys, and we're grumping and complaining, and I know how that can be for us, and yelling and smelling like the world, then there's going to be problems. And you're not going to experience that closeness and what the Lord has for you in that marriage relationship that the Lord wants to work in you and in your marriage. Men, we have been divinely ordained and commissioned to be the glory and the image of God. That means leading and loving and cherishing and serving. And it all goes together. And 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11 says that the woman is the reflection of man, which simply means that, and this is usually the case, not in every case, because I know that there are some wives here that you're here and your husband isn't a believer. And you reflect the beauty of the Lord. And husbands that are here that perhaps their wives aren't interested in the things of God. And you're just continuing on in the things of God and trusting in Him. You keep praying and respecting and you keep serving. But Christian couples, as you're here, husband, if you're struggling and you're worldly and carnal, it's going to affect your family in a very negative way. And if you're being negative, usually that filters throughout the house. And if you're down, then it filters through the house. If you're being negative, it's going to affect the house. But what will happen if you're full of the Lord? and you have the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord, then there's going to be joy in your home. And ch- chances are your family's going to really pick up on that. What I'm trying to say, guys, is we set the tone. And we're to take the lead. And as we do those things, consider it for reflecting Christ in your home and sanctifying her and cleansing her with the water of the word, praying together and talking uh, about the things of the Lord praising the Lord in your home, then we're going to see that the Lord's going to just bless your socks off in your home and in your marriage. So husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, sacrificially, unconditionally, washing her with the water of the word. Uh, John chapter 2, you know the story. Jesus did his first miracle where? At a wedding, right? At Canaan? I know in doing three services this morning that there are probably some marriages here even this morning, those who are listening to me, that their marriage needs a miracle. That there's some real problems. And it seems like it's falling apart, you're drifting apart, maybe even separated. I want you to know that Jesus can bring that miracle. And he desires to. To bring the healing and the restoration that is needed in forgiveness. He promises to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. As you humble yourself to the Lord and look to him. And in that wedding of John chapter 2, they ran out of wine. And so they came to Mary, Jesus' mother, and said, we're out of wine. And Jesus, you know, heard from Mary. And Mary said, we're out of wine. And And so Jesus said, tell the servants to fill up the pots to the brim with water and serve it to the people. And Jesus went and told the servants, fill up, do what he says, do what he asks. You know, it's not recorded very much of what Mary said in the the scriptures. 
We have a wonderful praise there in Luke's gospel, but that little sentence that she says in John's gospel, do what he says, is very wise. You guys, let's do what he says, all right? And what they were to do is fill up the, the pots to the brim with water, serve it to the people, and as they did, it turned into wine, which is a symbol of joy. Husbands, Jesus came as the servant of all. You serve your wife. You serve your family. And you might be here today and you're thinking, well, the joy and the happiness, the romance is gone from my marriage. It's all dried up. This is what you do. That you, as 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, that we are the earthen vessels, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That is, we have Christ in our hearts and you fill yourself up with the water of the word. You surrender yourself to the Lord fully. That you allow the Lord and the Spirit of God to work in your life. And then you pour it out to your wife and your kids. And you know what's going to happen? Joy. Joy is going to happen. And strength. And respect. And happiness is going to return. You fill yourself up with the water of the word. Jesus said, hey, if you thirst, come to me and drink. And out of your innermost being is going to flow torrents of living water. So you take in and then you give out and you lead in that way. And again, I realize that there's different cases in the marriages that are here. And you may be that you're the only believer in the marriage. You keep praying for your unbelieving spouse. You keep talking to them as much as you can about the things of the Lord. And you wait for the Lord to work and be that witness to them of the reality of the Lord in your lives. But guys, as we do these things, you're going to see that the Lord's going to bless your marriage, husbands and wives, as we do the roles that he's called us to do. And verse 28, husbands, we're not done, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. The best thing that you can do for yourself, husband, is to love God, love your wife, cherish her, take care of her, serve her, You see, it isn't just about buying a bunch of gifts. That has its place. I know it has an important place. Matter of fact, here's an assignment, guys. This is what I want you to do. Sometime before the holidays hit, just bring some flowers home to your wife. Bring some flowers. Hopefully she won't faint of, you know, what you just did. Bring some chocolate. If it was me, I'd rather have chocolate. <laughs> Surprise her. Say, I just, I love you. And I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you and, and love you. And, and here's some flowers. Here's some chocolates. Here's something that's very special to her. You know your wife. But my point in this is I've had many wives that have sat in my office and, and they said, you know what? I would trade in every diamond, every bouquet of flowers, every box of chocolates just to have my husband lead me spiritually and pray with me and lead our family and be a man of the word of God and a man of prayer. Husbands, It's so important that we go to the Lord and ask for his help. And what interests me here is verse 29 says, 
there, as we read, and the reason I point this out, because in our society, we spend millions upon millions and millions of dollars every year on self-esteem and how to love ourselves, and it's become a popular thing even in the church today, um, very popular sermons and all of that. Listen, you know, the, the message is, men, we've got to learn to love ourselves if we're going to love our wives. Here the Bible says we already love ourselves. For no one ever hated his own flesh. And when you're taking care of your wife's husband, then you're going to be taking care of yourselves. The Lord loves us and cleanses us, and that's what we're to do with their wives. And we got to hurry, verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So here, Paul quoting from Genesis 2. Jesus quotes from Genesis chapter 2. In the beginning, he made them male and female. And a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So that's the definition of marriage. It's between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. We've got to make that clear in our society today, don't we? So you're one flesh. That means there's a strong bond that is there. So husbands, everything that you do, everything that you say, every decision that you make affects who? your wife. Wife, everything that you say, everything that you do, every decision that you make affects who? Your husband. And that's why when there's difficulty and problems in a marriage, when there's fracturing, separation, it's a tearing away of that one flesh, and it's very hurtful and very difficult. In verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband quickly. Our marriages should be a witness to others and to an unbelieving world of Christ's love for us. And again, Christ's love for us is perfect. But do they see somewhat that it isn't the world's way of loving, it's God's way of loving? And that there's service and commitment and blessing and cherishing in the marriage. And again, I see that Paul stresses love here, not authority. It's authority that loves and giving. And wives, respect your husbands. And I'll end with this. One of the things that a man really flourishes on is respect. Respect your husband. Tell him you're for him. Encourage him. Lift him up. Bless him. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, Father, we thank you for this time. And there's so much more that we could talk about, but time doesn't permit. But, Lord, we thank you that our marriages is, is likened to Christ's love for the church. So I want to give that gospel message, which is a message of love, to anyone that may be listening, even if you're on live stream here this morning, that Christ loved you so much that he gave himself, died for you. Why? Because we are lost without Jesus. He is our salvation. He's made provision of forgiveness and eternal life and right relationship with the Father because Christ, who loves you so much, who lived a perfect life, has a perfect love for you, loves you unconditionally, went to the cross for you to die for your sins because our sins have separated us from him. 
And the Bible says for you and I to come to salvation and be forgiven, it's only through, first of all, Jesus Christ, the only one who died for you and rose from the grave. He's alive. You come and you surrender your life to him and to come in faith and put your trust in him. Surrender your life to him. He loves you. Will you do that this morning? That if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised them from the dead, the scripture says that you shall be saved, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus loves you and went to the cross and died for you to give you a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Will you cry out to him right now? And you can pray, Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. I give you my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I confess that I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins on that cross and that you're alive. You rose again from the grave. And I thank you for dying for me and proving your love for me. Help me to live for you all the days of my life as Lord and Savior. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand up. Don't be afraid. God bless you. Anybody else at all? If you're out in a coffee shop, you can put it up and put it down. We want to, it's an expression of, I've made a commitment to Christ. Anybody else at all? I've come to Christ. Don't be afraid. It doesn't save you. You're just saying, I've made a commitment and I'm not afraid to express that right now. Anybody else at all? So, Father, I thank you for the work of salvation. I thank you for just ministering your love and gospel to those who have come to Christ this morning and one who's raised their hand in this sanctuary, that they would know it's a new beginning, that you're true to your word, and Lord, that they are forgiven. And Father, for all of us, I pray for the marriages that are here, that they'd be strong in you. And Lord, bring healing to those who need healing in their marriage and, and strength and restoration. And that there be a humbling of ourselves and coming to you and relying on you. Because you ordain marriage, you give the definition of marriage, and you sustain and strengthen marriages. You hold us together. So Lord, do that amazing work. And Father, bless all of us here. May we all leave encouraged and blessed this morning because we've been here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Listen, if you need prayer this morning for anything... Please, Jim's here to pray with you. I'll be out in the foyer area. I'd love to pray with you. Love to, to talk with you. If, if you need just some encouragement and help in your marriage relationship, that's what we're here for. But why don't you stand this morning, and um, we're going to close in song. We're going to be dismissed. Wednesday night, hey, come out and what? Be washed with the water of the word, all right? And come out and listen, make the midweek. I'm so blessed by so many people coming out on Wednesday night. Matter of fact, Wednesday night is our biggest service. To make the midweek service a part of your family's life and making it a priority, come out and I'll tell you it will be true that it will bless you and your family as you do. As we go through the book of Psalms, as we just worship the Lord. So come out if you can. I know the middle of the week gets busy, seven o'clock, but come out if you can and join us and um, I know you'll be tremendously blessed. Close this dustus and then we'll be dismissed, all right? I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm 
so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. See you next week.